Shut up and sit down. Hello, Jerry. Hello, Noman. Head like this, coast like that. Break like this, stopping like that. Rolling, just rolling along. Rolling, just rolling along. Rolling down the street outside my front door. You've pressed play on another illustrious episode of the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. American author, Wilfred Arlen Peterson, once said, A person practices the art of adventure when they break the chain of routine and renews their life through reading new books, traveling to new places, making new friends, taking up new hobbies and adopting new viewpoints. So I ask, when was your last adventure? Well, you get used to it after a couple years of it, all the time. It's really good. Yeah. It's so you're like a, a rainbow in a rainstorm. Feels good. Rolling, this is riding a bike. Rolling, this is riding a bike. Cut your zip ties off, bro. Yeah, dude, that's not airlit at all, man. <laughs> you're wasting a lot. Oh, uh, Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Vondering, and I'm here with Lance Hepler. Lance freaking Hepler. It's Lance freaking Hepler, not it's just Lance. Lance Hepler. I was wondering if that was going to stick. Come on. Nope. Lance freaking Hepler. Stick. I got called Lance freaking Hepler. Did you? At the races this weekend. Nice. So Excellent. Something sticking. <laughs> to Lance's left. Mr. Matt LeGrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys are looking chipper today. <laughs> I got a big, giant smile on my face. Pretty chipper today. You had a fun weekend. You should. Oh, I had a blast this weekend. Nice. Yeah, we'll get to that. Cool. All right. Anything before we get started, boys? Jump right into it. Jump right in. Today's topic... Gosh, I feel like we get into this so fast now. I kind of like it, though. Boom, we're in this I, 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 I think it's working out all right. Um, the, today's... I, did ha- I did have somebody say... You guys freaking talked about computers forever. Uh, <laughs> you yeah, so, so much. what's your point? <laughs> I hope it's not too much. I don't think. I know it's too that much. Was, that, that's a lot of information. And when you're talking about three different three different computers, yeah, yeah we of course have, we could have done one brand per week. Yes, yes, we could have, and had plenty to talk. about. If it was about. my pod, if this was my podcast, <laughs> we would have planned it out that way. It would have been like we're gonna talk computers all day, all it's night a good long. Thing it's not your podcast <laughs> all night long. <laughs> Swim goggles. <laughs> swim goggles. <laughs> Four weeks of swim goggles. All right, that's cool. All right, well, today's topic is going to be—it's uh, going to be kind of in line with what Lance did all weekend, and it's something that's probably the biggest growing thing on the face of the cycling planet: how to get better results in a gravel bike race. Do the short course. Do the short course. <laughs> it's faster. You end up with a faster time every time. You, you, yeah. you go faster every time. And all the fast people do the long course, so your results are better in the short course because all the real riders are in the long course. That's true. You know, it's funny because I, I get a lot of people coming up and talking to me about stuff that we talk about on the podcast, and it was kind of it was really nice. It was heartwarming to see how many people reached out to me individually last week to say, "I'm so glad that you did a road race. I'm so glad it went well for you, yes. and I'm I'm really happy for for you." But I loved the race recap and. After that, there was a lot of people like, hey, 
can, can you like talk to me a little bit about like your road racing strategy or can you like give me some <laughs> tips on, on you know, like how to get better results on a road race? And that's probably a good topic for the future. And it, it you know, cause that does play a big factor in terms of like how you're going to do in a road race. And then just got me to thinking like, well, there's a ton of gravel racing going on. Lance has got his back pedals he's going to be talking about today. And we've got a bunch of teammates that have been out doing a lot of gravel racing. Let's talk about some of the strategies because that's probably where more people are going to be heading in terms of like racing as opposed to the road racing because we know how how much road racing there's on the yeah. schedule now. You know, there's a lot more gravel racing. So let's talk about what we can, you know, impart on people, what we can teach them and have them hopefully assimilate so that they can get some better gravel results for themselves. We do have a stage gravel race coming up this weekend in mm. the Bend area, yeah. Sisters. Yep. The Ooh. Cascade Gravel Grinder pretty. is happening this weekend. And Unbound is in... Four weeks. Correct. And the weather is looking pretty reasonable for some of these events. It's going to be too hot yep. this weekend for the gravel race. 91 degrees yeah. I'm seeing on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Oof. So One of our tips will be like how to stay cool. I don't know a good tip for that other than drink a lot of water. Yeah. But I mean, those will be at altitude, but you're almost going to be a little bit more exposed. And it'll be hot, yeah. but it won't be quite as hot. Uh, there's still snow in the mountains, so it won't be as hot up yeah. there. It's still going to be a lot warmer than it normally is. I mean, yeah. it's probably not going to be 91 up there, but you're probably looking at creeping or maybe touching 80 degrees, maybe. maybe? Yeah. You know? And you're racing that, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think. You think? My my schedule is unsure at the moment. Uh oh There's conflicts. ruh <laughs> All right. Well, let's dig into this thing. How about we just start with something easy, some general race strategy. Lance, where do you typically try and find yourself at the start of a race? Um, I generally try to find myself on the front row. <laughs> and, and how does one make that happen, though? Uh, you have to get there early and okay. know when they're going to be staging and where it's going to be, more yeah. or less. So I usually do my warm-up. I am usually try to be done with my warm-up at least 20 minutes before the race start. So that my legs are primed, my heart rate, I've built up a little bit of sweat, and then I'll go to the start shoot and hang out, basically. Does that have any kind of a negative effect that's, on you? That's when the trash talking starts. <laughs> you can start to get you can get chilly because you, yeah. if you've built up a sweat and you have you're not going, but you know, for instance, this weekend, if you're gonna go do this stage race, if you go get warmed up and let's say at the beginning of the race, maybe it is the morning, maybe it is in the upper fifties or lower sixties, that's that's chilly. And if you're sweating, just standing there for 15 minutes, that might have a, a negative effect on you. Yes. Do you ever put like a sweatshirt on and then toss it quickly afterwards? Uh, occasionally. Yeah. Um, especially if there is really a, cool. a a teammate, spouse, or significant other That'll that is help. there that you can hand yeah. stuff to. We, sure. We will do that. Okay. Too. So get to the starting shoot early to get a good position. Yep. And how does that generally fare for you? Not getting into the shoot early, but like how does get, being up in the front, how does that change the dynamics for you when it comes to the race? It just means that um, I can try to follow whatever is going to go quickly. Okay. It also depends on what's, ha you have to know the course too. This is another, you know, factor. Is it going to start with 10 miles on pavement mm -hmm. before we hit gravel is it going to be flat is it going to start with a climb all those things make a difference if it's starting flat you're going to want to stay in the group and actually you're not going to want to be on the front no exactly <laughs> you're going to want to just be in the group you know third or fourth or tenth or twentieth wheel so that you can uh, save some energy before the actual climb starts and if it does start on a flat gravel road and you're Mixed in with a couple hundred people, there's a big difference between being in the first like 20 people and being like the, the latter part, just in the dust component. Correct. 
like if you're towards the, the front of that, a lot of that dust is like coming up, but it hasn't really gotten up to like face level yet. Right. And you're going to thank yourself later when you're not hawking up along. <laughs> right. So yeah, that makes a difference too. Plus, uh, if if it's flat on a gravel road and you're moving fast, it, it helps to be one of the first 10 riders mm-hmm. so that you can see a little better what's coming. Potholes. Potholes, ruts, rocks, ru- baby, yeah. baby skull heads, I think is what we call them. Baby heads, yep. Baby heads. <laughs> like <laughs> rocks that are submerged that yeah. don't move, that are buried in the road that will just that will flat you if you drill it. So yeah. and I remember doing the Yamhill gravel grinder. Uh, gosh, was that 2019, if I'm not mistaken? And it's same thing. It's like I wasn't towards the front. I was in a good position, but I wasn't towards the front. And there's dust, there's people all over the place, and one guy, and, and, and they don't really point stuff out quite as much in gravel races. You're kind of like a little bit more on your own. I mean, if it's something that's really bad, you'll you'll see people like moving over or pointing things out, but you're, they're not going to point out every baby head or any pot, every pothole in the road. Right. And I remember being in a position where a guy swerved really quickly, and I was right on his wheel, and I hit the, this pothole and burped. Yeah, and, no shot. Yeah, no chance of yeah. missing it. Yeah. So I had to ultimately stop and, and left the group or missed the group, and I had to get some air in there, and I hit it with some CO2 and whatnot, and it ended up kind of plaguing me for the rest of the day. But yeah. um, I was able to like kind of quasi-catch back up to some folks. But yeah, it, it, being able to have good line of sights is important. There is a lot of luck involved with gravel racing. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's something like like Unbound gets known for the, the flint rock and the sharp flint rock, and um, it, it tends to do sidewall tears. It tends to cut tires. That ever, almost lots of people deal with flats. Yeah. On, you know, at Unbound, it's like arrowheads almost. You know, right? Yeah. And and one of the issues is, um, it, not only are you most likely in a big group, so you're not really seeing what's going, but there's like stream crossings, mm-hmm. like mm, right, like fifty of them. Yeah. And you. You cannot see the bottom of the stream, so you don't know if there's ledges down there or rocks down there, and everybody is just railing through those mm-hmm. at 25 miles an hour because they're trying to stay with the group that they're in. And so that's another reason why you get so many flats, especially at Unbound. This is what I've been told. I've never been there, but I've been trying Soon to do enough. some research. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Um, any other general race strategy or, or tips and tricks before we get into some of these other talking points? Um, Again, it certainly helps to know the course and and what's happening. Now, can you pre-ride all of it? I doubt it, you know, but having the course up on your computer can be very beneficial, especially with what we talked about last week. With these climbing features, I get to the bottom of a climb, I know there's six miles to the top of this climb, and I can see that it's... It's mostly under 5%, but on my little graph, I can see there's four different ramps that are going to be over 15%. So so you kind of know, okay, I know I'm going to hit this steep spot, but it's not going to be very long. And you can kind of gauge your effort just a little bit more knowing how long the climb is going to be. Yeah. Now, in gravel racing, is it more times than not a mass start? Yes, it's almost always a mass start. And generally speaking, there's usually two, if not three, different routes that you can choose from. So like the Gorge Gravel Grinder a few weeks ago, there was the short, the medium, and the long course. Yep. The races that you did this weekend, there was a short course and the long course. Yes. 
how in the world are you supposed to know who's doing the short course in your race and who's doing the long course in the other race? Um, at Chad Sperry's events, Breakaway <clears throat> Promotions, um, the different courses had different colored nameplates okay, and had different start times. Okay. So the, the small the small grinder started 50 minutes after the medium grinder did, so you, you knew who you are with. Okay. This weekend, there were only 300 riders total, I think, in each race. Mm-hmm maybe 400, 400 riders total in each race. Everybody had the exact same nameplate. You did not know who was going to be doing the short, who was doing the long. And you're not wearing any kind of a number on your jersey. It's nope. just the nameplate on there. Yeah. I wish that they would do something simple, like a piece of ribbon on your, it's <laughs> on like your one more or your, step, uh, I know. Yeah. Basically, when we came to the, when we, there's a course split, and in both days it was like 15 miles into the race. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm like, Hey, so and so and so and so, we're our, we're taking the short, so we'll see you guys. You know, I was yeah. riding with Ed Dudlick and and Scott Carroll, who are both teammates. Yeah. And I was telling Scott because he was doing the long, and he was on the side I was going to turn. I'm like, Scott, I'm going to get ahead of you because I'm turning. I'm turning, and yeah. I'm doing the short course, and you guys are going long. And he's like, All right, you know. So, but we, you couldn't tell just looking at each other. No, so a little different. In gotcha. tri- triathlon, they write on the back of your calf. Yeah. Just like right on there. Like I'm doing the sprint duathlon. So it's like And SD. they write your age too, which is even more helpful. Yeah. Which would be great. They should in just do cycling. That. They do that in like short cross mountain bike racing, which do is they? nice. But the problem with gravel racing is how many people up there were wearing yeah. like leg yeah. warmers? Um a lot of people were wearing leg warmers. Enough to yeah. cover the calf. Enough yeah. to cover the calf. Yeah. yeah. So I mean on, put a- it on the forehead then. <laughs> right. <laughs> it would be nice though. It's just a simple like color coded ribbon thing that you could to the back of your jersey or know who is in your age yeah group. that would be fantastic just just a thought out there gravel I promoters it, I, so but who cares about that it's it's like the 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 front four guys care about it that's about it like the front <laughs> like the four people battling for the podium are the ones who care about well the age group i would let's think. say that you're like you know in 11th or 12th place and you see a group up the road and you see a couple you know things that d- identify them as being in your race, what are you going to do? You're going to try and beat them. Yeah, you're going to try to bridge to it. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you see that they're in a different race, then you're like, yeah, that's those those guys aren't my race. I don't care about them. You might want to try and get a free ride on you know, somebody's wheel or something like that. But if you aren't racing against them, you let them go. Right. Right? Yeah. I don't know. All right. Um, let's get into the next little thing here. What can we adopt, bring over, use from road racing? from mountain bike racing and triathlon to help us be better gravel racers. What do you think about like dropper posts from mountain biking? Uh, Dropper posts can be beneficial. Um, Depends on the course, I'm sure. It it depends on the course. Most of these gravel roads, these forest service roads, logging roads, you don't really need a dropper post on them. But if if the gravel course goes down any type of single track that's yeah. downhill, a dropper post would be money. Nice. What about just getting more arrow on these descents, though? Yeah, you could. I mean, it's going to bring your center of gravity down. You're going to be a little bit more arrow, and you're going to be able to get down it a little bit more, would you say, safely? I mean, do you think? A little more safely. No, a little I'm, bit faster. Be- before the podcast, I mentioned time trial helmets. You guys need... <laughs> Now, if you guys watch the Giro, they had these massive time trial helmets. It's like the, they were this massive. Is, this is the new like style, and we need to bring it to gravel. Okay, I'm just gonna throw that out they there. They look like the guy from, you look from like an Fat alien. Albert, you know, just, with the hat all oh the way down and spread out. It's so they're so big. They're so, they're so <laughs> ugly. 
We need it in gravel. We they're need definitely it. arrow. I'm I'm yeah. assuming that there's UCI rules against them wearing those types of helmets in a road race. I have no idea. I don't. I, don't, I would assume that there, there has is. to be there gravel. Be. There's no rules in gravel. <laughs> You're pretty pretty close. They did change the rules for time trial arrow bars in gravel for the elites. For the elites. For some of the races, but I imagine the race that you did this past weekend. Nobody had nobody had arrow bars. No one. Nobody had arrow bars. Matter of fact, was there a rule against it? Or I yes, there they was. They were just like no. Yeah, um, Chad Sperry's events, the Gorge Gravel Grinder, the Cascade Gravel, Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder. No arrow bars are allowed. Yeah. Um, at Unbound this year, arrow bars are banned for the elite and pro riders, but the age groupers can use arrow bars if Which they want. I actually, might find that even more annoying if you've got these elite riders or whatever, and then you've got age groupers like i don't know, I'm calling them age groupers that's bad terminology but like other people non-elites that are mixed in with arrow bars and you're like screw you guys first of all you got arrow bars second of all you're sucking wheel like yeah. remember how angry was it last year that was uh yeah there was a there was a dust up yeah <clears throat> because there was a gentleman's agreement amongst the pros not to use arrow bars and some of the pros said there's no screw rule that. screw we'll that it. i'm yeah. using them. it was like a fair amount of like european guys coming in and yeah. and other guys from the U.S. that were like, we're not doing this. And the guy from uh, Belgium who won last year, yeah. Ivar uh, Slick, Silk, Slick. Sure. I don't know. He had arrow bars on his leg. Yeah. What are your thoughts on arrow bars? You think that's good that they are banning them or not allowing them to use them in a lot of races? I'd rather not see him in gravel. Yeah. I, I'd rather not see him in gravel. I'm, you know, what, just, about your, what about your triathlon glory days? Don't you, <laughs> don't you miss the arrow bars? No, I do not. Oh. <laughs> uh. Back in the glory days, I, I, I would prefer that they just say no, no arrow bars for anybody. It's just, it's just like yeah. a road race. I mean, most of these gravel races, road racing tactics come into play, and there's a lot of there's still is pack dynamics, mm-hmm. not as much as there is with in road racing. You know, being with the packer in the peloton is, is is a huge portion of you know. Strat, you know, tactics and strategy in road racing. Yep. And in gravel, it's you know forty percent of tactics, not ninety percent of tactics. Which makes gravel a little bit more fun because right. for some people, road racing can probably get to be a little bit monotonous, and it's just like all right, it's a race of attrition almost sometimes. And if you do get detached from their group, it's like game over. But in gravel, I feel like there's chances for you to come back and get back into that group. Um, but the road racing, like if it is like 90 or 95 percent of the race is all about like just being able to stay attacked attached to the 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 peloton and then some of the tactics that unfold over the you know the last few miles of the race is that boring for some people maybe maybe i don't know but with gravel i mean it's there it's important it's important you can use it to your advantage but there's plenty of times where like if you do get detached like let's say lance gets detached on a long climb because there's a bunch of you know, slender little climber guys, and and all of a sudden they they crest the the peak, and then they're gonna go hit that descent. Yeah. And then Lance has got the descending prowess behind him in the arrow helmet. And the arrow helmet, <laughs> you can find your way back in with them just fine. Or if it ever gets technical, you could potentially even break away from them. And that it's just like it's one of many things that you can use to stay within the race. Yes. Like you have to be a little bit more well rounded. Right. I don't know. I think you should draw the line. Like, hey, if you're gonna be in any sort of like pack dynamics where there's drafting, you shouldn't have arrow bars. Yes, there shouldn't be arrow bars. Which we we think happens in gravel 
most of the time. Yeah. I do think when you ta- start talking about like 200 mile rides and you start talking about back of the pack people being able to just move your arms around. I mean, this is, this is basically an endurance. Well, it is an endurance ride for some of these athletes. It's not as much a race. Right. Then I can kind of get behind like, yeah. The, so I, I do like the way that it's kind of set up with, you know, unbound currently, but I almost wish it was a little bit like one step further. Like, Hey, if you want to have an official finishing place or something like that, no arrow bars. If right. you, if you're going to finish and to, you know, have a medal at the end or whatever, then like absolutely use arrow bars, you know, get there, but please be careful not to, to draft if you're, if you've got arrow bars, yeah. there should be like some sort of rule that way. I don't know. We'll see. They'll, they'll figure all this stuff out. I kind of like the way it is now where a lot of race directors are making the decision. Yes. Cause they can decide based on the course, you know, you know because unbound they have banned him for the pros. It makes yeah. me think that the pros have a different start time. Than that would the make age a groups. lot of sense. That, that would make sense to me too. And I really, I don't know that. Answer. It's probably a Google search away. Yeah. <laughs> I should know that. Since Someone's I'm, yelling since at, the, doing at the unbound and I yeah. don't know. I'm I, guessing you've never used arrow bars on a gravel bike. No, correct. I'm just curious of like, how how safe is that? And is that the driving reason behind why they got to the point where like no more of these, or is it more of like the spirit of gravel and they're trying to keep some of these outside influences out of the sport? There's a, isn't there like a spirit of gravel Instagram account or something like that where it's like it, making yes, fun of is. making fun of like the spirit of gravel is mountain biking actually. <laughs> It's, it's like it's what mountain biking was in the it's like, in the 80s <laughs> jean shorts and that's, that's right spirit of, and flannel and spirit and flannel spirit of gravel <laughs> yep that's the spirit of gravel but seriously though i mean think of how many times that you've been on your gravel bike you've been riding whether it be on a flat or a descent or you know somewhere where it would be appropriate to use the the arrow bars but let's say you hit like a little root or a rock or a rut that you weren't anticipating, but the fact that your hands were on the hoods or in the drops and you're able to correct that and you're right. coupled with your bike handling, let's say that you're not in, in, in those, that, that, that stable position and you're using the, uh, the arrow bars, how, how are you going to recover from that? I mean, if you yeah. lose your front wheel. I, I don't know of any incidences that have happened with gravel bikes and aero bars and racers, but I'm sure there's some sure out there. Some. Yeah. I mean, I would think, but I don't know of any that have actually happened. So hmm. interesting, Matt. Is there anything that you can think of from the triathlon world that can be adopted into the the gravel scene to help riders get better results? I, you know, of course, aero helmets, but um, I think you know a lot of times in triathlon, like they talk about nutrition being like the whatever fourth discipline. I don't really like to call it that, but like. You can see the same pieces of the puzzle coming across into these longer gravel rides, right? Where it's like you might have an Ironman race that's let's say it's ten hours. Like there's that's like a bread and butter for a lot of these really long gravel rides. Unbound for the pros is going to be eight or nine hours. Is it really that fast? Yes. Yikes! It's like it's it's They're around 20, nine hours 20 plus miles an yeah, hour it's like 23 which is I mean, miles, it kind of so. lines up with like an ironman right right yeah. like the the pro pros are, are going eight or nine but well, the guys eight. like me are going to be 14 i'm yeah. actually in doing the 200 mile race i'm only doing the 100 mile race because short course short course <laughs> short course but yeah i mean so i think nutrition you know like a lot of these nutrition companies that target triathletes it's the same stuff right like it's like you need to have fuel and you need to be able to carry it so that it's, you know, you can safely get it where you need to and you need to be able to place it on your bike somewhere that's reasonably, you know, easy to access, but also you're not like, you know, holding the flag sideways and catching a whole bunch of wind or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are some 
small arrow things that gravel people should consider if they're trying to do it competitively. That's where I was hoping you would go get into the little marginal gains. Well, because it's free, free speed, right? Like it doesn't matter if you're, I mean, it does. It matters if you're going faster because the aerodynamics become a lot more um, helpful in some ways because you're, you know, you can go, you can get a lot more gains at those higher speeds. However, because you're out there for a longer amount of time, even when you're going slower, all of that kind of ends up being a wash. And so, yes, if you were to literally wear an aero helmet on a gravel ride, you would probably finish like not even it would it's not even a small amount. We're talking like five minutes faster over, you know, a 200 mile ride or something. I mean, like this is like a significant amount of, of speed gained. How yes. do you think that that would affect you, though, on a long climb when it's warm out and talking about like thermodynamics of like, yeah, being able to keep yourself cooler? No doubt that some of these helmets can be hotter. Um, some of them have vents and stuff to them and stuff like sure. that, but, but no one's going to wear an aero helmet. So it doesn't matter that much, but they'll wear an aero well, road helmet. Exactly. So and, like a, a, a cask utopia or what's the, the zero one that I think that's the one that you have, isn't it? Yeah. Cask utopia. And and utopia? You, you okay. actually do get a big amount of gains. Yeah. I was going to mention this video, um, that Lance is pulling up, but, uh, there are, you get a lot of gains just by getting like an aero road helmet mm-hmm. versus just like something that's, you know, not arrow at all yeah um and and i guess like dylan johnson just posted this video maybe in the past two weeks where he talked he went to the uh, wind tunnel and he tested a couple of things like where do you specifically put your... for his gravel bike yeah he posted yeah. this a month ago where yeah. you put your hydration you yeah. know it's like a hydration pack yeah actually wearing a hydration pack is more arrow than not wearing a hydration pack certain packs are better for than him, others probably. for him yes yeah i mean this is this is the thing this about these aerodynamics you yeah. really I would say be leery of what's what works for one person because it might not always work for you. But technically, getting a lot of the bottles off the frame of the bike is, is significantly faster. Um, those front little bags, mm-hmm. handlebar handle bags, those are not the burrito good. bags are, are they're they're great for just tooling they're, around. They're great, it's yeah. like I love them. it's like twenty I, watts. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like lot. twenty watts versus if you have a frame bag. Um, that's going to act a little bit more like a fairing. That's definitely going to play to your yep. advantage. There are certain you, saddlebags in, in yeah. terms of how it disrupts the wind that will help you out. Yeah. Um, there's there. Aer- Aero socks. Actually, wearing right. Aero socks is like a five-watt difference. Yep. Five watts. Which is pretty just for similar. having different socks Which on. is actually similar to shaving your legs. If you don't shave your legs, that's like eight watts or something. Yeah. So, so that, that makes a difference. So, Over like two hours, that's like a minute. Yeah. That's, it's it's yeah. a lot. It's it ends lot. up being a lot. And so um like so the, the aero socks have basically a little trip section on the the side of them and basically what that does is it drags the wind in tighter and so you have less turbulent wind behind your cylinder legs. Okay. And so that's the drag piece there is it's 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 narrowing that amount of turbulent wind behind your legs and it just adds up over time. Yeah. Uh, technically you can do the same thing on your arms. It's just that depending on like where your arms are, it's less of a, an effective amount. Um, but you could theoretically do some, some similar stuff on your arms. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, gosh, man, arrow, arrow, arrow bars themselves are massive. Yeah, they are massive. Cause they're basically making your whole body narrow the bikes themselves. It's surprising. Like once the bikes are set up reasonably, there's a lot more, a gain to be had with the actual body position of the the person. The person on the bike is more like seventy percent of the drag compared to the bike itself, which is more like thirty. So right, it's there's things you can do. Like Dylan Johnson talks about moving your hydration to your back or whatever. And again, all the 
if it's faster for him, it's because it's it's the same thing. It's basically like the wind's coming off of its back, and it's basically creating less turbulent wind because you're kind of directing that wind. You might see this on a um, some of those like delivery trucks or whatever will actually have like the a little, fairing little on fairings the, on the back, yeah, and that's yeah. what they're doing. They're trying to like not have this extreme amount of turbulent, and they can probably see some sort of slight gas mileage yes, improvement. It's all about gas mileage, right? Yep, right, for sure. Yep. yep. So same thing for us. Um, and there's lots of weird things with Here's, fairings that you can do. Another thing Dylan Johnson mentioned is your race plate, the the yeah. your race number. Um, if you if you attach it to your handlebars, straight to your handlebars, yeah. it it makes like a six watt difference or something like that. Right. Um, and if if you tape it to your head tube, it doesn't make any. It makes zero watt difference. Mm-hmm. But some race directors have rules specifically about how right. the number needs to be displayed. Some numbers have the chip in them, the timing mm. chip in them, and you can't bend them. I believe Unbound is like that. You have to mount it to your handlebars. Front, yeah. But like it, Chad Sperry's events or right. Mike Ripley's events, I taped mine to the head tube. I yeah. did not I did not zip tie it to my handlebars because it was just more arrow. Could we do they need to have it forward facing or based on how you finish and what side of the road the officials are going to be on could you put it in line with like your your top tube and your head tube and kind of create like a I don't know. You would have to like have a so to it, to it, keep up with the wind force that's there to actually make a benefit if you were if this is the direction that you're going, you would need some sort of like firm plate. To actually like well, create I'm, a fairing. I'm talking about it instead of it just being like a, a flat surface that's just going to grab when you turn it sideways and, and tape it to, to your frame. frame. Yeah. Like you just tape it on there. I mean, you could potentially tape it on there and and not have it hit your legs. It's not going to have the drag. And the tour and the Tour de France, they have those little flags that go off the back, right? right? So yeah. that's that's less. Yeah, of a, of and, a, and that was going to be one those of my have points. Transponders in them too, though. I yeah. believe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. why can't we just have like a, a amount for a, a, a frame number coming off of the seat post for yeah. gravel racing. I mean, instead of having everything on the front, on the just, front. yeah. Because, uh, you know, then you can't see. What about you, the you, spirit of the gravel, guys? Right, and you can't, if somebody does something unsafe or poor, or, or if somebody's directing traffic at a, an intersection and they know to tell short people to go one yeah. way and long people to go in one way, the way they tell is by looking at the, Plate, front plate. plate. That's where we put like a colored sticker on on your uh, helmet. On my, on, on my sunglasses. <laughs> Technically, if you could take that plate and like bend it into like a foil, like there's weird things that you could probably do and then like somehow tuck yourself behind that little <laughs> right. foil. It's all about like the directing Actually, the wind. When I do have to attach it to my handlebars, I try to slant it yeah. like either forward or back so that it's not it's not flat like a billboard. There's there's like less drag on mm. it. I try to do it one way or the other. So the race that you did this weekend was chip time. Was the chip built into the number plate? It was not. Was it on your fork? Uh, yeah, you, it was a separate chip you attached to your fork. Okay, so they didn't really care how you had your number. No. And they were not using the overcloth numbers that you're supposed to no. pin to your jersey. So no it was numbers just, on your jerseys. It was so, just the chip. Gotcha. Period. Yeah. Most, well, is it Echo Red to Red that has the chip into the, uh, um, the number plate or... That's the mountain bike nope. race that we had at the beginning, or did they change it too to nope. put on? It was the same guys. E eight timing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great setup. Yeah. So they've, they've been at every almost every race I've done this year so yeah, far. E eight. They've good been good on great. them. Yeah. Blair's crew is pretty solid. Yeah. So Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of those things where it'd be nice if there was better solutions from the promoters or something. Is this consistent. the same Blair that's from like Corvallis? 
Yeah, he does the yeah, best yeah. of the West. Best of the West. Yeah, yeah, same guy. Yeah, yeah guy. super great nice guy. guy. He's oh, he's great. He did the uh, Michael Myers time trial. He did the chip oh, cool. timing for us out there the okay. last two years, and they were fantastic. Their crew is just top notch. They're very professional. Yeah. They do a fantastic job from top to bottom. He was like finishing college, and he like started this all as like an internship thing. Really? Yeah, this is a long time ago, but huh. yeah, he started this. Like I think he started the best of the West <laughs> race as an internship thing, and then it was just like, well, this is a business now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and i think he got married somewhat recently and his whatever yeah. life partner or whatever does it with him so Sweet. it's a cool group that cool. is such a cool group would you buy trip socks for any reason would you w- use them? would i buy trip socks yeah or aero socks oh yes i already have you already have <laughs> <laughs> did you wear them this weekend i have not received said socks yet you're like oh but you're I like have, five watt click i, I they ordered, arrived they arrived on friday yeah yep. i i ordered two pair i ordered a pair from england and a pair from costelli okay what company was the rule 28 okay. whatever whatever dylan johnson recommended yeah <laughs> i i tried i ordered a pair of the socks that i dylan hope johnson he had some affiliate links in there because i've seen a lot of people purchasing yep. a lot of that stuff yep. good. <laughs> he did. good for good him, good him. For him. Yeah. yep yeah. love it um lance Mountain biking. What have you brought over from mountain biking besides your descending skills? Descending skills. <laughs> bike handling skills. It's bike handling skills. So, I, you know, I, okay, I get I get a lot of flack and a lot of awe for this uh, because I do tend to descend my bike really quickly. And people ask me how I've learned to do that. I, you know, Ed does. I'll tell you how. He does not give a bleep, bleep, <laughs> an ice cream sandwich. He just goes and he's like, if I die, I die. The joke is that I have a general disregard for my personal safety, which is why I don't care, uh, you know, about descending. But no, of course I don't want to crash and like, because I'm not going to crash and die. I'm going to crash and like break my hip and and be like late. I'll, I'll just be crippled. I won't die. Anyway. Knock on some wood there for my friend. But um, (laughs) mountain biking has helped my descending skills dramatically. And so, I I mean, that's you got to ride off road to learn how to descend off road. Uh, But one of the things I do, especially on these long gravel descents, there's two things you have to do you have to know your tires, have the right pressure, and you have to have the course up on your bike computer. Mm -hmm. So, knowing uh, okay, uh, I've been racing on 40 millimeter Maxxis Ramblers, uh, so 40 millimeter tires. I weigh 170 pounds right now, and so and I keep about 30 psi, like 30 and 28 psi in my you know, front 28 and rear 30, and I know at that I'm going to have a little bit of give. It's if if the, if it's a rougher course, I'll go lower pressure so that it's a, it doesn't beat me up so much. So knowing kind of the limits of your tires, and you have to know what the limits of your tires are. Why do I know the limits of my tires? Because you've bit it. I found them. Yep. <laughs> I've eaten craps yeah. many many times on uh, on my gravel bike, so I kind of know where the corners are, you know, or or how much I can kind of push it. So that makes a difference. But also by having the the course up on my bike computer. So the map page on my bike computer, I am looking at that while I'm descending, like glancing That's at good. it. Don't look up. <laughs> Don't look up. But I'm glancing at it because I want to see how sharp is this turn coming yeah, up? Yeah. Is this a sharp turn? Do I really need to slow down? Or am I just peeking around the corner and it straightens out again and I can keep carrying my speed? So that that makes a difference. In full disclosure too, you're also running Chris Core. Correct. I also have Cush Core. Yeah, I have yeah. inserts <clears throat> in my. In if you're talking my about that tire well. pressure, we should mention that. Yeah, yeah, because I I can go three or four pounds 
PSI lower because I have Cushcore in there than if not. So yeah, lower's not always better, and you already alluded to that based on what kind of terrain you're running with. But you do need to know, like, don't just go out and start running a lower pressure just because you heard Lance say this, because that could be detrimental. If a you don't know how to ride the bike on that, it could actually be a little bit slower for you as well. But you don't want to be in a situation where you burp and and potentially like lose a front wheel or something Correct. like that. So you've got to play with these pressures and that's what training rides are for. You know, take a pump with you, play with different stuff up and down and all around and see what feels best and, and learn what the breaking points are. Descending is also line choice. Yep. You, you And that comes with experience. You know, I'm trying to pick the smoothest line that I know is going to have decent grip. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just can't tell, but I'm bunny hopping potholes and yeah. I'm, I'm skipping around bigger rocks. I'm not just like blindly drilling it down the road. I am like vision is important. You, oh, yeah. Your your glasses have to be clean, mm-hmm. or yeah. or or if your vision isn't that good, you got to be wearing your glasses yeah. so that you yep. can see you know what's coming. So and for gravel riding too, unless I know that it's gonna be a very exposed ride, I'm always wearing translucent lenses. Yeah, that are going to change based on the weather, the clouds that might roll through, whether or not you're in, in tree coverage and whatnot. And the fact that they go to a clear lens when you're riding in those um, areas where it gets a little bit darker or if the, the clouds come through, I want to be able to see every nook and cranny in the road. And those do a fantastic job of allowing me to do that. Yeah. So I'm guessing that you, that's probably what you wore this past weekend. Yeah. Yep. Uh, photochromatic lenses. Yep. Yep. From uh, 100%. Yep. Yep. Love those. Yep. Um, the mountain biking stuff, though, is fantastic cross-training. So if you're looking to get better at gravel descending, that's a, a well, A, go ride your gravel bike and, and practice descending. But if you want to learn how to push a bike a little bit harder, mountain bikes are going to afford you that. Yes, for sure. And it's going to be a good way to go out and have a little bit of fun on a different bike. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny is I'm like, compared to other like mountain bikers, I'm not a good descender. Right, right. Just because I don't do downhill i don't do yeah. mountain bike downhill that's a whole different ballgame and a different bike really, yeah. yeah with different suspension i mean i ride a cross-country bike and uh you know i may i'm a decent descender on a mountain bike but because those skills just translated to the gravel i'm yeah. like a good descender and on the- not for nothing there are so many roadies that are coming into gravel which is fantastic yeah. we, all walks alive come on come out and do some racing but a lot of these guys just don't have the um the experience riding off road and they're going to be a lot more timid going into corners uh, and, and descending and hitting rougher terrain or more technical stuff. Cause that does pop up in a lot of races. Yes. It so does. go practice your bike, find a local ride to get, get on those. Um, what kind of local rides do we have around here? We do one every Tuesday night, Tuesday night. Yep. We do a gravel ride every Tuesday night that has some, Descending in it and climbing. TNGR, Tuesday yep. Night Gravel Ride. Tuesday Night Gravel Ride. It's, nice. uh, it's, and it's a good workout, too. It's good for learning how to pace line and gravel, how to sight. Ooh, it was spicy last week. That yes. was my fault this time, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it was my fault. Yeah. All right, anything else that you guys can think of from Road, Mountain, and Try? I think that's good. That's good. All right, um, the next one is what to bring with you on these rides. How much gear, how much stuff are you bringing with you? What are you leaving at home and what are you taking? And are you rolling the dice in any areas by not taking something? Um, I, I There's way more flats on gravel rides than yep. road rides. So I always take a tube. Mm-hmm. I always take two CO2s mm-hmm. and an inflator device, and I take a multi-tool. Okay. 
So no hand and, pump, and I do not take a hand pump. Two, I two CO two. I took I take two CO twos. So if I haven't fixed it in two CO twos, I'm calling the wife. I'm looking for help from somebody. Usually a a teammate or a uh, uh, another racer will say. You know, at that point, your race kind of is over. over. You know, you're you're kind of like that's Evan's big thing. He's like, <laughs> I'll bring maybe one change, but pretty much if anything happens, my race is over. Okay, but if you if you puncture and you're spraying sealant, you can pull over, right. plug it, yep, hit it with the CO two, and literally in like fifty seconds, yeah. be back up on on and going. David Goodman did this on his road bike the other day. I was like, he he was flattered, and I was driving by him because I was going to the take kids to the pool i know that you're gonna think i'm I'm constantly driving kids to the swimming pool but um you're dropping kids off at the pool always constantly constantly but yeah so like he was like yeah this this one's this one's not sealing and he was like boom he was up and running in like no time like by the time the kids got out of the door i was like i'll go back and check on him and it's like it's too late he's He's gone gone. yeah so you guys can move pretty quick with those dyna plugs yeah yeah so i yeah i have i have a plug kit and i bring a plug kit yeah that yeah. has three plugs in three it. Plugs. Yeah. Okay. Real so, quick, is there a better plug kit than Dino Plug? I no. I haven't found one. They're fantastic. They're fantastic. Yeah. They're easier to use than any other plug that I have found. They're not like bacon strips. They're not that you're like pushing inside with I don't know. Dino plugs are just it's just I need bam, 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 bam. Done. Yeah, yep. they're, they're money. Love them. I also bring um uh, some uh what am I? What am I trying to think? Boot. Yes, boots. Thank you. Oh, like really? a like a rubber. So Do you bring Park, like an old tire. No, Park makes these actual like oh, yeah, sticker yeah, yeah. things yep. that act like a boot. So if you get a sidewall tear, you can you can put this sticker or a piece of an old you know mm-hmm. inner tube against that, and then put a tube in your tire, and you can you can be back up and running. That's what a lot of people end up doing on Unbound is you, you get a flat that's unfixable, and you end up. Uh, putting a you, you end up putting a boot yep, on the, the sidewall yep. and then putting a tube. It's basically in. a sticker. It's, it's a, basically it's, a, a but it's thick. A, it's like a thick vinyl sticker. Yep. Yeah, so it works. I'm going through my little bag that I usually take with me on a lot of the rides. For some reason, I have two licenses in there. I don't know why I even have two old expired licenses. I need to take one of them out of there. Take one and put it in the road. Yep. Whichever one the road well, one is I, now. You can I've actually both. Yeah. I've actually gone away from using saddlebags and we've been using these little muck off um it looks like a little like a little purse like a little <laughs> pouch thing a, a little makeup bag yeah. little purse. but i throw everything in there and it it, it holds quite a bit of stuff yeah, but i've been like be working working constantly to find things that Ooh, are like that's even a good idea even better battery. and yeah even better tools that are smaller so i mean check out this little pump i have here and i know this this is great for listening to on the podcast but i mean this is a nice little lazine it's smaller than his hand and it's, it, it yeah. fits in your it, it, bag. It, yeah, fits in there fantastically. It fits in your makeup bag. And this is just like a, one of those um, like worst case scenarios. Like let's say that you have multiple punctures and you don't have any more CO two, you're not blowing that up with your mouth. <laughs> now I've got this little pump. It's the tiny. It's hand big. pumps are so over, they're like they're underrated. They're because yeah. like sometimes it's like you're on a just you're just on a distance ride, and guess what? Like if you want to save CO two, just take your time. Yeah. Take your time. Use a hand pump. Like, no one, if you're not in a rush, if it's a coffee shop ride, like, who cares? Right. I don't know. What else do you take? Uh, except I don't take this 
during a on a grab during a race, I don't take this. I don't take the little makeup bag. Do you put it into your um your pouch, your backpack? I I either put it in my backpack or I put it in a Ziploc bag because it mm. weighs like eight ounces less. Okay, <laughs> I mean, it's really that's, not that's that. legitimate. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just less. So okay, and um. Hydration pack. You started using a new hydration I started, pack. Yeah, I, I have a little chain, chain breaker tool, right? Yeah, nice. I have three different, um, three different hydration packs, and I'm just trying to decide which one I like the best. I have a, um, a Camelback Chase vest that I've used for like last four years, which I love and is fantastic. But I've I've beat the snot out of that thing. It's kind of um, gross. It's kind of gross. <laughs> it's been on many, many, So is that the next purchase? Rides. Are you going to purchase another hydration pack? I did already. Okay. I purchased two you more. You watched this video and you were like, I, yeah, so what bye, did, what bye, did, bye. What did Dylan Johnson recommend? <laughs> what, I don't know. Whatever he it, recommended. The Uswe or Uswe um, okay. hydration pack. So yes, I bought a I, Uswe hydration pack. I, man, he affiliate. Yeah, he, he high roller. It worked on me. It oh, yeah, definitely sure. worked on me. I bought two things because well, of Dylan Johnson's We video. like him, first of all. And second yeah. of all, I mean... I think he's he's shy to admit that like he's a weight weenie on that on that kind of stuff, and he he he's racing at a very elite level. So yes. everything does matter. And honestly, if we're talking about five or six watts, that could be like a season of training on the trainer for him. Like that's a lot. <laughs> right, of work. right, right. I mean, for me, like five or six watts, not that big deal. But for him, so I have a I have a mud. I think it's called mud design. I have one of those uh, hydration packs. Um, but this this Usui one. It has a different connection system that works great on the mountain bike. It does not move. So I actually tested it at the Coast Hills Classic mountain bike race last weekend. Okay. I wore it, even though I really didn't need to right. wear it. But I'm like, I want to, because it was a it was a legit full-on mountain bike cross-country race with, right. with jumps and, and crazy wow. trails and big descents and lots of climbing. But it's a new hydration pack, so. Yeah, and yeah. I wore it, and it didn't move. It didn't nice. bother me. It, like, fit on me really well. I could, it was easy to drink from, so I'm, I'm freaking sold on that thing. Good. Yeah, so. But these, my, my races this weekend were short enough that I did not wear a hydration pack. I just used bottles because I think the first day was a two-hour race. The second day was like an hour and 39 minutes yeah. or something. So I didn't use a hydration pack. I just used bottles. But, okay, so, but in longer races, if you have a hydration pack and bottles, you're going to be able to skip some of the stops, the stops, the aid yeah. stations, and not have to refill. And, and that's huge. People don't realize that. Can, that. It's like you're slowing down. Even if you're fast in the aid station or whatever, you're slowing down, and then you get back up to speed, and you're right. probably getting off your bike. Like There's just like there's lots of little time that's yeah. What's going to be faster, hitting an aid station really quickly just to fill up a couple bottles and get back on the road or carrying a lot of extra water with you in general for the entire race? Honestly, I, it's probably about the same. Yeah. It, to be honest, I I don't I just don't like stopping. I don't like stopping. Yeah. Um. I although it is not you stop you get a little rest. Yeah. You kind of revitalize. There's real value to that. Um. If it's not busy, it can be a twenty second stop or mm -hmm. a thirty second stop. But if it's busy, it could be like four minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's a lot of people there. So yeah, it just depends on where you're at in the race, I guess. Correct. Yeah, if it's not busy too, it's awesome because there's probably somebody there that's willing to help fill up your bottle. Right. Well, so yeah. you're, you're multitasking. You're, you're maybe throwing some food down and then they're filling up your bottle for you and it's just kind of like a nice little pit stop with the pit crew. And yeah. I, I remember I did a race in, in Boise one year 
and it, it was like 98 degrees and I got to the top of this hill where this aid station was and I was completely cracked. I stopped, I filled up both my water bottles. I had to sit down and like drink a jar of pickle juice. And then I jumped on my bike and left to finish the race Forgot and bottles. left both my bottles sitting there. And it was oh. at the top of a hill and I'd already descended all the way down before I realized I left the bottles. And you're like, I can't go back like, up No, nope, that. that's it. Bottles are gone. I'm not going back. Uh. <laughs> so oh, that's brutal. Anything else that you're taking with you or anything that you're you have purposefully have, leaving behind? Well, just you have to have calories with you. Yep. You have, yeah. you have to fuel yourself. Um, it, and you got to be doing that. You know, regularly, like every 20 minutes or every 30 minutes, you need to be taking, you need to be getting calories in. I mm-hmm. have like high calorie bottles and I I put a mix in my uh, hydration pack as well. Mm-hmm. I don't normally like to do those things because they're hard to clean and not get ganky, yep. but um, but I do it for these gravel races because you have to have it makes calories. a big difference. Yeah, it makes a big really difference. big difference. Uh, we had a Bicicleta rider this weekend, a, a young kid who is... Uh, fantastic racer shows a ton of promise and um he did the long course both days but um he had switched to a new a different hydration product and they picked a hydration product that was just electrolytes they didn't realize no it didn't have calories in uh, it so he thought he was getting in calories and he wasn't and he cracked oh no yeah and and part of that's because he was getting in the electrolytes, but there were no calories in it or yeah. not enough. So you, you have to be aware of that too. That's definitely a race strategy. That's again something from triathlon yeah. that you know really well. Your fourth discipline over there that you love fourth, to talk about. Fourth discipline. <laughs> I used to tell people fourth discipline is laundry. <laughs> that was actually right. one of your videos too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like you gotta you gotta close you got a lot of clothes if you're doing three sports. Um, yeah, one of my buddies is starting like a nutrition company and, um, I think I'm going to make a video about it on my channel, but, um, I, I don't, I'm not supposed to talk about it just yet, but it's basically just like an easier way to like grab something and, and throw nutrition together. So cool. We can so, come back and talk about it later. Real yeah. quick from top to bottom. What do you have with you? Obviously other than your bike and your shoes and your helmet and gloves. I mean, is there any else, anything else, your bike computer, You've got the. I always wear gloves. Yep. I always wear glasses. Uh huh. Um, now I've got food and like flat kit stuff, yep. and that's it. And enough water. Trying to run as bare bones as possible. Yes. Gotcha. Have you ever been in a pinch or a situation where you didn't have something that you thought you, you might need? You bring your phone? Um, not usually. Huh. Really? I normally don't take my phone. I'm but, surprised because I feel like you have like photos from. But but on these both races I did this weekend, I took my phone. Yeah, uh, both yeah. days. Good Why? photos. Photo op. Um, I took I took some race photos. <laughs> well, before and after you took some photos. I took some videos during the race. You took video. Uh, photo. It was funny. I, like it's I, like him <laughs> with the leaders, and he's like talking. Like, hey guys. That was so actually fun. after the time oh, portion. Okay. But it was funny. Uh, I caught John Hatfield, a teammate, uh-huh. on the second day on the descent, and I and we just as we were going across this beautiful like ridge that was that was like logged out and just beautifully exposed. Yeah. And I like I whipped out my phone and like took a picture of John. It didn't actually turn out, so I couldn't mm. use it. But nope. he's like he was laughing at me. He's like, "Are you freaking taking a picture during this race?" And I'm like, "Look at where we are." <laughs> So normally I don't like mountain bike races. I don't take my phone, mm-hmm. um, but longer races sometimes I will take it. It's it's a definite weight penalty. Yeah. You know, I I don't take my 
makeup bag, but I take my, but I put my phone in my pocket. Like, but pictures uh, are gonna be good. It's gonna be worth it. Pictures are gonna be worth it. So plus, plus, if you have a problem, you can call for help. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're not allowed to wear earbuds. You're not your no. headphones. Out. No. Can you wear bone conduction headphones, or is that a no-no too? I saw some people with bone conduction headphones. So some shocks on. or something like that. Yep. Okay. That's why I would take my phone. If if there's yeah, no rule that says something. that you can't, because that makes a big difference. It helps the time go by and it kind of keeps your mood like boosted and music plays a pretty big uh, yeah. factor in, in getting you through some tough times or making you push a little bit harder. All I hear is the sound of my own breathing. <laughs> and so does everybody else. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, anything that you would take with you, Matt, that, that we haven't talked about? Um, nothing I can think of. Um you take a nice camera, GoPro. Yeah, go. Uh, if well, it depends on how competitive I was trying to be. Like, I mean, if I was really going for time, I would I would not bring a GoPro. Yeah, because there's there's it's not only like a weight penalty, but there's also like Arrow. aerodynamics yep. and. But yeah, if I was there, if but the reality is, if I'm doing a gravel race, I'm not going for some sort of competitive time, and I'm Why? definitely bringing camera stuff. Why not? Because I like to take camera. I'm, I'm like Lance. I like. Yeah. Part of the fun is like getting the photos and having some beautiful stuff, and like sure. I love, I love the video of it. Like that's the kind of stuff. And I mean, I don't have, to, I don't have to be competitive. If I get fiftieth or sixtieth, really doesn't matter, <laughs> you know. All right, um, a couple more things here, real quick. What are we gonna do to get people to climb better and descend better? Take him out on gravel rides on Tuesday and, night, and I know like Chris Hannell, like he he won handily in his his he, field, right? He uh, in the fifty in the fifty to fifty. We had a fifty to fifty four age group, and <clears throat> Doctor Chris Hannell is in the same age group as mine. He beat me by like four minutes both days. Yeah, if he could descend like you, what would it be time wise? I put I put two or three minutes into him on each descent. So yep. that's a lot. And another, he made a little quip on his Strava post about trying to get better descending or probably never going to happen or something along those lines. I'm just paraphrasing obviously here, but um, like what, what can we do to get him to descend better? Uh, you know, it's more time on that bike. That makes, that makes a, a difference. Yeah. Is, he spends quite a bit of time on it and he's raced on it quite a bit as well. Is there just like, is there something that you need to break through in terms of like the, the mental block that's there? Or do you think it, it honestly boils down to just, there he, is a mental part to yeah. it. I'm handle. <laughs> Probably sees lots of broken bones every day as a doctor. Like he, he doesn't need. To he be told me after the, the race. He told me after the race he was going down the descent and he's going around the corner. He's like, "Oh, Lance is going to be dead in the ditch over there." Oh, <laughs> Lance! Is, I could see Lance breaking his leg right here. He just all he was doing the descent, worried about me, yeah. who was like four minutes behind him, knowing that, that I was going to be about right. yeah. railing some corner, going way too fast. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we kind of already talked about it, cross-training on a mountain bike and just riding your bike in general more, but I, I'm just curious, like, what can we do for people? What is something they can do to become better descenders? I mean, is it, I, I mean, I guess what I would say is, like, get on your gravel bike and go ride down stuff that is, like, uber technical and force yourself to get better at, like, stuff that's a lot more disastrous to ride on, like, right. like a ton of baby head rocks and loose gravel and off camber turns and, and roots and rocks and all that stuff ride over that stuff you don't have to go breakneck pace but just go ride over it more consistently and f understand your bike feel your bike know how your bike is actually going to respond when you start to hit all these things and a lot of times you're going to surprise yourself like hey that wasn't quite as bad as i thought it was gonna be right. it wasn't great by any means at all but 
once you get the once you get the courage to write over that stuff and you go back out of, out to the stuff that you're going to write on like pretty normally that stuff all of a sudden feels very mundane feels very pedestrian you're like okay i got this i can go a little right. bit faster but you got to practice you, you got to practice yeah it's just like you got to overload with like the the very difficult stuff and then once you get acclimated to that going back to the other stuff piece of cake right uh, that's just my two cents and then climbing you just got to climb more yeah, get lighter that's, that's a that's a power to weight ratio yep deal the more power you have the faster you're gonna go yep the lighter you are the but if you're training you're too i mean your your watts per kilogram is gonna increase i mean if you get stronger and you can maybe hold higher watts even though you are a heavier guy because i'm i'm not anybody light i'm probably 20 pounds heavier than you are now but but uh, you can hold like 30 watts higher than i can yeah but you got to practice that and that's yes, that, that you comes to practice you got to train for it so that's the thing i got to these climbs i knew okay I need to park this at 300 watts. Yep. I know I can hold 300 watts here for like 20 minutes. Yep. And I'm, but, and that's what I've, I, I, if I'm pushing 340 watts, I'm going to crack. Yep. Yeah. So I knew what my governor was. Mm -hmm. And I guess that takes a while to know yeah. what your governor is. Super important. Yeah. <laughs> that segues nicely into my last little thing that I wanted to ask you. What tech can we use to our advantage while we're out there gravel racing? The power meters, the the one that we're referring to and most the bike recently. Computer. And the bike computer, Bi yeah. Those are probably like two of the most important things, if you ask me. Yep. If you've got a bike computer that's going to help you route and know where you're going, that's obviously super important because you don't want to go off course. And being able to look at live metrics like your power meter and even your heart rate, albeit it's a little bit soft, but still knowing where that's at just to know where you're working, that's going to play huge dividends in terms of how you're going to you know optimize your race. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, um, when I first got my brand new mountain bike, like a month and a half ago, I yeah. didn't have a power meter for like the first two races I did on it. Drove you nuts. Drove me freaking nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It really yeah. drove me crazy. I couldn't look down and see what the power was. I'm like, okay. Just, yep. I, I mean, I don't think there's any other tech that we can use other than maybe using Google Maps to do some recon. You know, you can go you can and do that. Yeah. look at the course ahead of time. Um, is there anything else that you can think of, Matt? You guys don't race. You, you don't race with like a radar on or anything like that, right? No, I do not. No. I take no. that off. Yeah, that's. I think the. I mean, like, I think once you start using a power meter regularly, you you start to ignore your heart rate a little bit more because I think the the having that governor of being like three hundred watts. Do not, you know, this is what I should hold for this yep. climb. Right. Like that's a beautiful number to use as opposed to heart rate. When yeah. I'm going hard, I will take a look down at my heart, right? Mm -hmm. Just to know, like, all right, how is this correlating to the watts that I'm putting out? But yes, the time that I usually use it the most is, like, if I feel like I'm off or I feel like I'm, like, I, I'm working really hard, but my watts look a little bit low, I'm going to go take a look at my heart rate just to yeah. see how that's responding. And that's usually a telltale sign that yes. you're getting sick or Especially something's off. Especially, like, some, if you look at, like, this weekend when the weather's going to be strikingly hot after not being very hot over the past couple months, Looking at your heart rate compared to wattage would be something that would be yeah, very interesting. Your heart rate's going to be higher. Hmm. Well, and and you're going to fatigue faster, right? So, it's a good good metric to use as a secondary metric, gotcha. in my opinion. Yep. Anything else you can think of that would be advantageous for gravel racers to use? From Bi bike lights, if you're going long enough. Yes. I don't know for. I have, but I have yet to do a race where I needed a yeah. light. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not signing up for a race. I need a light. I don't, I, if I was doing a 200 mile, you know, unbound, I would probably need bike Actually, lights. Actually, High Cascades 100 in 100 mile mountain bike race. I don't think that even needs a light. But they have a 12 hour, 24 hour mountain bike races e. in 
spin, but I'm not doing those. I've only done one race where I needed lights, and it was to start because we started at four thirty in the morning yeah. or five o'clock in the morning, and it was it was dark, and we used it for the first hour and change, and. I was able to, because there was people at the top of the first long 12-mile climb, I was able to hand off my lights light and a, a jacket that I was wearing. Yeah. That was kind of nice. But uh, One other final comment. Um, if you have a chance to do a little bit of course recon on important, you know, where you think the crux of the races might be, that could be very helpful. Yeah. Like, So for the routes that you did this weekend, were you able to go out and drive them? Um, I did not. Um, you did not, but were you able to? Yes, you were able okay. to. And that's generally like something that you can do. Yeah. And it's like Just if you're about to a day before, go drive it. Go find out. Like when you and I went out and we did the Goldendale Gravel Fondo, Fondo. Yep. you and Ian went out and drove the route and you were able to tell me like, hey, this is a rowdy section or hey, this climb is what yes. this is, what's going to happen here. Here's where some wind's going to be. There were sections we couldn't drive and I rode those. Okay, so you yeah. stopped and got out and yes. rode. Okay. I like I drove all the sections I could drive and like we got to a spot where I didn't want to take my van. It was that rowdy and I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to go. I'm I'm pulling out my bike. I'm going to ride this part just gotcha. so that I knew what it was." Sure. Yeah. That's so. a big advantage to know these things and to know what to expect. So, these races this weekend were on Saturday and Sunday. I drove out Friday afternoon and I rode the last 10 miles of the uh, first course. Hence, so that's you knew the finish line. Hence, I knew the finish line. Yep, I yep. knew where the finish line was going to be. I knew what the corners looked like. I knew what the rollers looked like. I knew what the down. I just and it it played to my advantage. We yeah. should we should get toward <laughs> we should move towards our uh, towards our backpedal. But it's about that time. Anything else, boys? We could, we could do backpedal. Do you want to jump into it, Lance? Backpedal. Did did it. Did you have a good race this weekend? <laughs> I, I did have a good race. You knew where the finish line was. I, because I knew where the finish line was. I did. So it was the Oregon Coast Gravel Epic in the little town of Waldport, Oregon. This is one of Mike Ripley's uh, and Mudslinger events. Yeah. Events. It looked amazing from pictures. It was great. There was like 400 people out the first day. There were, so this is a weekend where he does a gravel race on Saturday and a gravel race on Sunday. Okay. You can do both races. It's part of his Triple Crown series. Um, or you can just do one race, you know, whatever you're, but, uh, I ended up doing both races. I did sign up for the short versions of both races. I did not do the long version. The long one weren't that long though. I mean, they weren't, they were like, the first one was like 68 miles, but it was like 7,500 feet of okay, climbing. So there is that. Yeah. And the second day was. 56, what, I think. 56 miles, but also 6,500 feet of climbing. I, was it that much climbing? I didn't think it was that much on the second day. Yeah, I think it was. Huh. It All was, right. It was a lot. But um, I had we had several teammates who yep. went out there. There was like 10 or 15 of us that rode the first day. It was fantastic. We started in one big giant pack, and um, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I had a... I had a good day. I was able to stay with the front guys for a little while. I cl I'm climbing way better than I have in a long time, and so I was oh, 170 pounds. Yeah, yeah, that's so, good. Yeah, that's that makes a difference for climbing and all the work that I have been doing this past year. So it's been it's been good. But um, uh, my teammate uh, Chris Hannell, he was off the front with two other guys, kind of battling it out for the overall in the short course. And I ended up, I think, like four minutes back. I think I finished like four minutes back. 
but um, I came, I came. So what happened was um, there was a big long gravel descent, and I I caught one of our other teammates, mm-hmm. Jay Fielding, um, on a on a. There was a three mile paved section that was flat, and I was able to bridge up to him. And so we hit the final climb together. The final climb was like four and a half miles. And Jay is 30 pounds lighter than me. He's a climber. He's a climber. And so he just rode away from me, even though I was parked at 300 watts and going as hard as I could. But you did. You were doing the right thing for you. Yes. Which, I mean, what would Chris Froome do? WWCFD. I don't know. Whatever. Always be asking yourself, what would Chris Room do? He'll be looking at his stem. You look at your stem and you just ride your watts. You just spin away. Got to hit your watts, okay? So Jay Fielding rode away from me this four mile climb. He ended up out climbing by about a minute, which I thought I was going to lose like four minutes to him. So I was pretty happy, but I didn't know that once I got to the top. Then there's this big long five mile gravel descent and i caught jay on the descent i actually i actually got there was three final segments strava segments and i got the koms on all three of those final strava segments because i was i was using my ability to descend a gravel (laughs) bike quickly and uh i caught up to jay um he jumped on my wheel, which was great, on the descent, so he had a wheel yep. to follow. Yep. That, that's you, another thing that you could really do. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. To, to follow increase another your descender. descending, follow another descender. Because mm-hmm. it's so much easier to descend when you're seeing someone take the lines. Yes. And, and just be like, or when they take a bad line, you're like, not going that way. <laughs> um, the What happened was I, I came railing around Jay, and yeah. I screamed. I said, follow my line, you know, and so he did, but he, he was... 30 yards behind me. He wasn't on my wheel. He was, but he could see what line I was taking. And uh, we hit the final like finishing kick and it was two little rollers and I knew exactly where the finish was. So I was sprinting for everything I had and Jay didn't quite know where the finish was, but he's so much lighter than me that when he saw it, he just like whipped right up to me and I just beat him by like two inches like we crossed exactly together that yeah. is crazy so it he's was, actually got a little bit of kick in him yes he's got a little bit of like for a small climber guy he's got a little bit of a sprint in him uh so yeah that was that was super fun so it was fun to be able to do that and to share that with him and cool. there were four of us teammates there at the end together me and jay and chris hanel and john hatfield so john finished like three minutes behind us and so the yeah. two races were independent of each other, so there Correct. was not not like a GC thing for the two days, but not. it's just a part of the Triple Crown. So each race fed into the Triple Crown Correct. in terms of like your overall finishing. Yeah. Okay. His Triple Crown series, there's five different races that you can do. Your best three results count for his Triple Crown. I think that's what it is. Okay. So that's... And it's just based on your, your placing. Your placing. Okay. Yeah, and the points you get on the placing. Interesting. Yeah. So that's what happened the first day. It was... Great. We had a bunch of the teammates that did great. Uh, Andy Levine, uh, Mike Hansen, uh, Chris Surratt, uh, Paul First showed up, even though he was, he's kind of getting over being not, sick. Yeah, being it's kind sick. of a cold or something. Yeah. He still, he still, he, he caught me on the first climb and I am parked at 300 watts, 
breathing super loud, and Paul is just like, hey, Lance, how's it going? What's happening? Hey, where does it, you know? How, does, how does your breathing go? How does it go again? <laughs> yeah, it's and a, he can it's also a descend, too, yeah. so there's yes. no, no, there's, he can, there's, no he can, there's no gaining on no. him in your standard spot. That was pretty funny. So he finally rode away from me. I'm like, I can't stay with you, Paul. So it was pretty fun. Yeah, 24 years old, light, powerful. Loved it. Yep. So the race was actually won overall by Stephen Hartzell. Hmm. So he won it by three seconds. Wow. Yeah. So again, over who? Um, Austin Davis. They were a couple names I really didn't know. Carl Decker was there. He came and did both races. Okay, good. Uh, but he was like in the top 10. Um, but Tyler Aquino, I think he was up there. Austin Davis. Uh, there were a few names I really didn't sure. recognize, but Hartza won the first day. Good. Which was great. So we're... Is, are these the first two races of of the Mudslinger Triple Crown? Yes. What races are still yet to come? Um, the Oregon Grand Fondo. Okay. On June third, the not a gravel race. It is not a gravel race. It's a rowdy road race. race. Yeah. It's a it's a road race that it's you got some dirt sections. It's got in. some dirt sections that you can ride a road bike on. Sure. Yeah. Will you do that? No, it's the same day as Unbound. Okay. So no. No. Um. The Tacoma Gravel Grinder, which is down in Southern Oregon, mm-hmm. but it's the same weekend as Baker City Cycling Classic and the Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder, so I can't do that one either. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Sasquatch Duro. There's an there's another one. Okay, will you do that one? I can't because it's also in the. It's the same weekend as the Obra Mountain Bike Cross Country Championships uh-huh. at Washougal. Gotcha. So I have conflicts with all the rest of his races. That's a bummer that they would stack that on top of the same day as a mountain bike, like state championship race. Yeah. Cause you got a lot of people that are going to want to do both of those. Yeah. They're popular races, popular weekends. So that's what happens. So. Bummer. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, day two. Okay. <laughs> There's too much gravel racing. Day two is a little bit different, just a little bit shorter, a little bit easier of a course with like a long nine ish mile climb. And then like a 10 mile descent. So, um, uh, but this time we didn't all start as a group because his, his forest service permit, he couldn't get a, regardless, it was a time trial start. Your time started when you crossed a mat, like out on the, you know, that was like four miles into the ride. We Mm -hmm. all kind of staged, we didn't all stage and didn't ride across together, but it was kind of time trial format, but the dialed guys, we all started together. There was like 10 of us and we all rode out to the start together and we all went across the mat together and kind of went from there. The, I think the Hutches guys all joined us. <laughs> oh, they jumped on your wheels, eh? It was, it was good. You know, okay. the bigger the group to start together, the sure. better. So, I mean, that can be a pretty big difference though. If it was just the dial guys and then you're racing against other guys that don't have teams that are strong or maybe yes. they're a smaller team. The fact that you guys can work together, that's going to, that's gonna be an advantage. Yeah, there was a there was a kid from Landshark who I believe is a Southern Oregon or Eugene bike team. I'm not sure, but he he was like a teenager and and he's like, I want to start with you guys. He like, we were at the starting pavilion area and we all rode out to the start together and we like stopped and took pictures before we got to the start and he like stopped with us. He's like, no, I'm going to start with you guys. (laughs) Well played. I want to go with you guys. So that's nice. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Make friends. Yes, it was fun. So second day, again, I did the short course, but a few others did it with us. Uh, Ed Dudlick, 
um, our teammate. He also decided to do the short course. Uh, John Hatfield, Chris Hannell, you know, there were a bunch of us that were in it again. And of course, 10 mile climb or nine mile climb, it kind of rolled at the top. So it wasn't all one big long climb, but, um, you know, Hannell beat me by like seven minutes up that first climb. Sounds about right. I could not stay with that. That's his game, man. That's his, yeah. He's light. And uh, and Hatfield actually yeah. he he rode really well too and he beat me up the climb by like a minute and a half so but me and Ed Dudlick stayed together uh, which was great for both of us Scott Carroll also was with us but he cut off and did the we cut off and did the short course mm-hmm. he did the long course but uh, for the last like half of the climb me and Scott Carroll and Ed Dudlick were kind of staying together and uh, just trying to kind of help each other. And we, this is funny. We get to the top of the climb. I know we're getting to the top of the climb. We're on gravel and Ed Dudlick drills it. He like to crest over the top. He drills it. I'm like, I put down like 600 Watts at the top of the climb because I didn't, I wanted to get in front of Ed for the start of the descent because then you could he could I follow could, your line. He could follow my line, and I could have clear yeah. road to to like pick my line. Yeah, siding up. <laughs> and as I'm coming past him, he's like, "Hepler, I know you're gonna out to send me, so I'm gonna make you work for it right now." <laughs> he, he did. That's so man. funny. So he's no slouch of a descender no, either. He is not. He can go good. Yeah, he can go good. So that had like a six mile descent or something like that, and. Yes, I KOM'd that as well. Nice work. <laughs> and I think, and I actually, I beat Ed by like two and a half minutes on the descent. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. And I caught Hatfield. Wow. So I caught John. <laughs> what are you Hat- doing here? <laughs> He's like, I caught Hatfield on the descent. And no, he didn't say that. He said, I knew it was just a matter of time is what he said. Sure. And so we worked together for, uh, for several miles but we hit like one little gravel roller that was not long, and I gapped him by like a minute on the roller. Really? He powered through it, huh? I powered through it, and he just couldn't quite stay with me, and I, which I was a little bummed about, to be honest with you, because I, we, the finishing stretch was nine miles on pavement, mm-hmm. and it right. was flat with a couple of little rollers in it. So it was full-on time trial mode and yeah. i didn't really want to do it alone yeah but i was alone and and um and hatfield was a minute behind me yeah it's not worth slowing down and and, and so now i'm like okay now i have to go as hard as i can so that hatfield doesn't catch me yeah because if, if he's not right there i would have if he was like 10 seconds behind me dude we're going together and we'll sprint just it out we'll of, just sprint it out at the end yep. this will be way better Instead of just trying to do it myself, but no, I had my freaking head down. Did you catch anybody on that? How flat? many miles did you say it was? Six, nine and a uh, half. That's a lot. Yeah, I did. I ca- I caught a guy and I screamed at him as I came by, "Jump on!" Because I wanted help. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> right out the back. <laughs> I think it was um, who was it that I? I don't know who it was, but uh, that whole nine mile stretch, I think, in Hatfield. He put some time into me on it, but he only put in 15 seconds on me. Yep. So didn't close it. I held him off. I ended up I ended up taking fourth overall in the short course, 
by eight seconds. The guy who took fifth mm -hmm. was eight seconds behind me. But because it was time trial, he wasn't right there. Yep. Oh, yeah. He started 20 minutes after me. I didn't know. Yep. So if I had waited for Hatfield, we both would have been further down the yeah. the finishing time. Yeah. When it's time trial format, you just go. Yeah, you just go. That's yeah. what's it. Yeah, I did. I was just trying to drill it as long as I possibly could. So cool. Anyway. Too much racing. Good job. I had a good weekend. I'm glad you're having fun. I made some more podiums. What's this? What's well? We'll talk. We can talk about that yeah. next. Yeah. What's coming up? Yeah. Because I'm curious. Matt, you want to backpedal? I can be really quick. Um, I rode with David Goodman on Saturday. We did 20 miles. Grabbed coffee. It was great. It was nice. glorious. We saw some sun. And on Sunday yesterday, I ran a five miles with Sean Henry, friend of the podcast. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was great. We ran along. We ran along the lake, and it was. Perfect. It was lovely. It was lovely. Nice. That's it. Cool. I did some other stuff, swimming and running. My back pedals, we did the gravel ride on Tuesday. Yep. That was a blast. Woo! Yeah, got a little spicy. <laughs> I, I came into the gravel ride rested. Fresh as a daisy. <laughs> so it was, I made some enemies that night, I good. think. Good, good, good. <laughs> we did some work, didn't did you we? Guys, did you guys do... Um, the Thursday was the flogging ride. That was in inside, right? Yeah, it, was, it fell apart. R, it, it fell. Apart. The, the weather, the weather, kind of crapped Down, out, yeah. and and, it, every, and everybody bailed. Because I think three people went out and did okay. the flogging ride still, and I think uh, we did open up the RGT version of it, and there was three of us there, and I think by in large part, people just kind of did their own thing that Don't day. Don't you worry, your pretty little mind. <laughs> it's gonna be sunny here coming up oh it's yeah like a lot of good weather coming so, up ahead of us that so. was a, a bummer though but we did have a nice l lunch ride on wednesday that was, was great fun keeping it zone two keeping and then two. um yeah if this weekend i ended up because paul went out and raced i had to go cover the lab so mm. i ended up just i i don't know it was a nice day out and yeah. my whole day fell apart and by the time i was actually able to ride i just rode on rgt for an hour and i was exhausted but i was like I can't post this because it's like everybody's <laughs> out riding and everybody's doing like uh, great things and racing. To private. <laughs> yep. I it posted and I immediately went and turned it to private because I'm like, this so is funny. embarrassing that I rode on the trainer and I rode it zone one on, I think on a beautiful I did that day. The other day too, I like it was like a nice day and I rode inside for 30 minutes or something. Yeah. Like that. I was like, I'm not, post I'm not posting. Yeah. It's like People private. can't see this. I just you know just one of those days where you're exhausted. You. I don't know, didn't get a good night's sleep. Anyway, long story short, that set me up feeling pretty good on Sunday. So I went out and did a bunch of climbing yesterday, which is fun. Nice. So yeah. That's cool. Did you climb with all the computers? Just one. Okay. Um I hadn't had a chance to go and, and did right, you have updated software on your Wahoo. And this is something that we did on Tuesday at the gravel ride. Lance and I each took three computers we both out. Had the, three computers on our handlebars. And, and it was so cool. <laughs> freaking obnoxious. Like the, the, the beeping and the chiming coming from all three of these things was like just yeah. Yeah, it was annoying. But um, I've, I'm now just trying to take time with each one individually okay. just to kind of run through it. And I hadn't had a chance to go play with the Wahoo's um, climb Clamor feature. feature. It's Summit Segments. Summit, segments. <laughs> summit, the summit Free, free Ride. ride. <laughs> no, it, it, I, I use it. It worked. I saw it working, and I was like, this is good. Yeah, it, it, works. it did a fantastic job. I really quite liked it. So You know what I love about it? Huh? It, uh, is... If you have even on a route, yep. the, yeah. so the new update, even on the oh, route, yeah. the the so there's little chevrons that show yep. what direction you're going. It's black if it's downhill or oh. it, orange, or it's black if it's downhill or or you know less than one percent. Yeah, but then it turns green or blue or orange if you have a hill coming up. So you can just look at the map without an elevation gain and see that there's a hill coming up yeah. because the wow. chevrons change nice. color. That that was cool. Too. Good job. 
Yeah, there's they're, some cool they're little good at the little things like that. I yeah. feel like Wahoo does a good job on these like little details and how they use color. Yeah, good job, Wahoo. So, I stay in business, please. Was quite impressed yeah. with it. Went out. I think I climbed over five thousand feet yesterday. Whoa! So Fantastic. it was it was fun to watch that and kind of play with it, and it was pretty spot on all the way, all the time. Oh, really? On all yeah. climbs. Yeah. Have you guys noticed any like delays or anything like that with your Wahoo devices? Like, um, a couple like, times. Like you're I looking didn't... at your speed, and it's like, nope, that's not right. Like it's just like a little bit delayed, or. Uh, on on the speed or the the climbing know. feature, well, or just all the metrics in general. Cl- all the metrics in general is kind of what I was referring to. Huh. But I'm, I think the climbing feature, I haven't like that's so so new. All of this is so new. The climbing feature, but I was, I was hearing complaints about other features, like other data being delayed a little bit, like because it's slow to prioritizing respond. maybe the the climbing thing, or is it just firmware know. update away from maybe sorting that out? No idea. I'll have to pay closer attention to that. I didn't notice anything per se yesterday, yeah. but I wasn't really paying a whole heck of a lot of attention to that. I was just really trying to watch the climbing and I was yep, really just too. trying yeah, to yeah. like give that thing a chance to do its thing and throw a few curveballs at it to see how it would respond to that. And it, it did really well. I mean, there was a couple of times where like right. I did a repeat on one of them. So I went down and then I, I turned on immediately and started right. climbing back up and it took it. <laughs> I don't know, 10 seconds or so to yep. realize like, oh, we're back on a climb now. Okay, this is what the segment is to the top of whatever you're okay. going to do. So Yeah, I saw some weird stuff. Like there was one where I was like, I was heading towards Sierra and it had some climb that it was showing and, and I was I was going to turn uh, and head back towards my house, but it was like, it had some climb and it didn't look like Sierra's elevation chart. And I'm like, what is this climb? Where does it think I'm going? Because huh. it's trying to predict where you're going. And right. this is not Sierra. Like that one's got enough. You know, gradient to it that yeah. it would show some red, and it was like all kind of green climbing. Huh. I was like, I don't know what climb that is, but uh, I'm not doing it. So, <laughs> all right, well, that that, that was my back pedal, but yeah. good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> I need to throw good stuff in there every once in a while. Uh, we've got another very very short amount of time for champ here. <laughs> Champ is here. Uh, the Giro d'Italia Giro has started. We've had three stages so far. A twenty k. Time trial yes, on day one with big helmets, which with big ugly <laughs> helmets, and freaking Evan Pool just yeah. laid it down. He smoked he everybody. Smoked everybody. Yeah. It, when you beat Filippo Ghana by twenty something seconds, he beat Filippo Ghana by twenty two seconds, and which was There's another guy un- in there that unexpected. Was, yeah, Stefan Kuhn. He beat. He. I'm. He. Um. Yeah, just Roglic by forty-five seconds. He beat Roglic by forty-three seconds. Yeah, so okay. he put forty-three seconds into his main rival on a twenty-k time trial. He finished a twenty-k time trial in like twenty-one minutes. That's correct. That's absurd. Is it suspicious? Okay, so here, this, so I, <laughs> so I did the math. Suspicious. Right? He yeah. averaged four hundred thirty watts. Okay. What? He weighs sixty-one kilograms. He averaged seven watts per kilogram for the whole frigging. Time trial in that time trial position too. It's not in like that that's time the trial position. position to hold. So, so kind of kind of yeah. crazy. Um, and and what's funny is like, yeah, he's got the pink jersey, and he's like, man, I don't want to hold on to this thing for right. three weeks. Oh, in that time trial, also, uh, Felipe Ghana. Yeah. Um, he averaged five hundred watts. Oh, but he's how like, is that even possible? <laughs> I don't know. Five hundred watts for twenty minutes. In time trial position. In, a, in, in a time tight. in a tight time trial position. But you know, he weighs like eighty-two kilograms. So he was only yeah. like he was only six watts per kilogram for his whole Mr. Hour record right. holder. Yeah. So pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so 
Evan Pool doesn't really want to keep the jersey the whole time, but it's going to be a few stages before they can give it up. You you need like a climb a hillier stage where a which he with, can also do very right. well in if he doesn't. I mean, if he but, wanted but to, early, but he won't. But early he he needs to conserve more energy, so it'd be right. better to give up the yellow the the pink jersey, pink jersey yep. in the to some breakaway because that, yeah, that's what they're expecting yeah. a breakaway at some point, which so we'll see. That's kind and, of and, and basically the break, I mean, they need a minute because I mean, he has like 45 seconds on like the, his main competitors, yeah. but the, the breakaway, it's going to be the people that are part of that is probably going to be, they're going to need more than a minute for sure. Right. I don't know. We'll see. I want what's in Evan Paul's starting bottle. <laughs> it's suspicious. We need a starting bottle. <laughs> starting bottle. Yes. I didn't. Yeah. It's pretty crazy what he did. So that's anyway. ridiculous. Um, don't be. We've had two <laughs> sprint stages, uh-huh. so stage two and stage three. Stage two was, you know, pancake flat and really quite easy until the final 4K where there was a big pileup and Mark Cavendish went down and could not contest for the sprint. Somebody broke their bike in half in oh. that crash. Yep. Was like, that, that's the frame snapped. What's the, Scott, what's the yep. limit where they're like, everyone gets the same time? Is that like 3K? A, it's 3K. 3K. And it was 4K? Yes. It was 3.5K where there was this big... Is that is that race dependent? Is like Or are all the Grand Tours going to be at 3K? It's They're all 3K. That's a UCI rule. Yeah. Do they have the okay. ability, though, to modify that? If it's that close, do you think that they would just... I don't know. For sake of like keeping a lot of contenders in it, Teo Gegenhart, the Ineos protected rider, uh, he lost twenty seconds that day because he got hung up behind it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he lost time on a day he should not have lost twenty seconds. No, correct. So uh, yeah, kind of crazy. Uh, but yeah, that race was won by Milan, some sprinter, but he beat Gaveria, which I was kind of thinking was going to clean up the sprints okay. at this, and that has not happened. Today's stage. Um, had a bit of a punchier finish, but one short little punch. So it wasn't pancake yeah. flat. There was one little punch, and Michael Matthews just blew him away. He's nice. got that in him. He, yes. If he goes uphill a little bit, yeah. he's the right guy for them. Yeah. He's a good. He's got the right build for that, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's so, a little bit leaner than a normal sprinter. It's been fun racing, watching already. So it's been it's been pretty good. I've been watching it on GCM Plus. I think that is who is doing it in the United States. Yeah. Um, mm. tomorrow there is, there's a Hillier stage where breakaway could get away. So we'll see if, if Evan Poole gives up the Jersey tomorrow. Yeah. But on Wednesday, when people are listening to this, they'll already know and they'll oh, probably yes. know what. Now we sound like idiots. <laughs> Perfect. Damn Anything it, Hepler, else? this person won. Any other results that we need to talk about or moving on? There was the, the Vuelta, the women's Vuelta that was won by, it was like five stages. And, and there, there was a day where there was there was crosswinds so bad they were echelons and like Trek Secafredo, the whole team got caught out in an echelon and lost like minutes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the whole team. So that got to be a little crazy. I thought it would be Demi Vollering's uh kind of tour to lose because she won like all the yeah. monuments. Uh but I think Annabee Van Vluten uh ended up beating Demi hmm. Bowling. So cool. it's been exciting. Cool. Camp out. Check me. Out. That's Any it. Triathlon stuff you need to talk about? Uh, St. George. St. George. St. George um, 70.3 yes. happened. Uh, you're, aren't you tight with Sam Long? My best friend, Your Sam Long. Your best friend, Long. Sam Long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ended up you know, I actually haven't seen. 
the detailed results. I know that Sam Long won, and I know that um, Jenny uh, Met. Gosh, what's her last name? Met Craig Metzler. Metzler. Oh, Jenny Metzler won the women's race, um, and then um, I don't know what else happened. So, but yeah, that's a that's good for Sam Long because that's a big win for him. He actually had a pretty rough season last year, and. He could use a good season, and man, it's a good start. Sam Long, Jackson, uh, Trevor Foley second, Jackson Laundry third. Women were Jenny Metzler second, Sky Mench okay third, Daniel Lewis. Oh, Lionel Sanders was fourth. He's making a comeback. Fourth? fourth? Well, I don't know about comeback. He's probably not super not pumped about that. About fourth. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think like in, in previous races, he and Sam Long have been very, very close because they're both not strong swimmers and they both are strong cyclists. Mm. And so they tend to race together a little bit. And typically Lionel would beat Sam Long, but I'm glad to see Sam Long have a good race. I like Sam Long. I think he's a good character. Cool. Very good. Anything else? That's it triathlon news out <laughs> out <laughs> all right one last thing matt legrand start us off okay uh i always have a video to talk about so let me think for a second what video did i post last week um we <laughs> talked about the, oh the garmin enduro 2 yes and it was it's a great watch it's just a beast of a watch goes forever 200 does days. everything yeah, I've had it for a long time, so it took me a long time to get this review out the door and finally did. Got it out last week. And uh, coming up, there's just a ton of stuff for me to, to cover. Um, finally kind of have my Garmin 965. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be posted this week. And it's the top-of-the-line triathlon watch. So I'm sorry that I didn't have one earlier, but this is going to be either, you know, going to be called like the Garmin 965 after a month or I'm going to call it like Garmin 965, like has it changed or I don't know, something yeah. like that. Title Short needs to be figured out. Kind of thing. Yep. And then uh, the Instinct 2X is coming up. That video is going to come up pretty quickly. Um, we should get some in stock because I think people kind of like that device. I will have to look into that. And yep. yeah. And then more, lots more watches after that. I It's going to be forever before I can get my bike computer comparison video put together, but. We'll that takes that. a long time, by the way. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm guessing that that's like th at least three or four weeks away. I don't know. We'll gotcha. see. Yep. Yes. So on the over calendar, we have uh, two great races happening this weekend, and I am conflicted as to which one to do. Okay. Tell so us. Give us, give us the, give there, us the news. What there, is it? They're at the Washougal I'll Motocross tell, track. Tell there are short track races happening, okay. mountain bike short track races, which really is my jam. Fun. Mountain bike short track races. There's a race on Saturday and there's a race on Sunday. These are straight up age divisions, not categories. Okay. So what else, what else straight is age divisions. Um, then there is the Cascade Gravel Grinder oh. in Bend, one of Breakaway Promotions, Chad Sperry's events. There's a three-day stage race, mm -hmm. uh, which I have done in the past and won in the past. Glory, for the glory old, days. Old, yeah, that was back in glory days. Uh, so let me ask you this. What what else is going on with like family life stuff? It's Anything also Mother's else? Day on Sunday. Okay. That makes it easy. They do Washugal. So I should do Washugal. Because everything will be easier. But my my kids and my mom kind of my mom. My kids and my wife. Yeah, she's mom. They yeah. kind of want to go to bend. So well, there you mm. go. I'm leave it up to the mom to decide what to do. Would y'all pile in the adventure wagon together or actually I, I think Darby has to work on Saturday, and so I think what I will probably end up doing is doing the short track race on Saturday morning, 
and then driving to Sisters that afternoon and only do the the final day of the Cascade Gravel Grinder. That's a three-day race, oh, right? right? Friday, three Saturday, Sunday? Race. Yeah, you can yeah. either do the three-day Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sure. or Sunday there's a long course, medium course, or a short course. Mm-hmm. Okay. So hmm. I might go out and do... The medium course. No short course. No, I should do the medium course. No, I should do the short course. I don't know what I'm going to do. So many options. So many options. Talk to your family. See what they got planned for the day, too. So I'm not sure what's happening. Okay. That's a good good plan. There's also PIR racing tonight. Correct. But rain's supposed to be coming. That's true. If it doesn't rain, I'm racing. If it is raining, I am trainering. Okay. (laughs) Oh, gosh. The short track stuff. For my one last thing was something I wanted to do. I don't have a mountain bike yes, right you now. Do. I don't Borrow have a mountain one. bike. Right I now. have two bikes. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> I don't know. If, there's one that's just gonna be sitting in my garage. Yeah, but um, we'll we'll see. I might end up just going out there and watching. We'll we'll see. There's still a lot of week left to to roll through. No, you take my bike and move the seat post and race it. It will work. We'll see. We shall see. But my one last thing is I just wanted to um congratulate our team so far we are we're still missing several races from this because like obra does they're always slow on everything but they don't even have last week's mountain bike race on the results yet correct um they're canceling the team competition (laughs) (laughs) pretty sure about that we should have somewhere in the ballpark of about 1100 points in the team bar competition and um right now they have us posted with 984 and second place is at 423 so we're doing a pretty stinking good job coming out yeah. the gates i really hope that we can defend again and make it five years in a row well we just freaking cleaned up on these gravel races this weekend it's fantastic we had a whole bunch of winners <laughs> a lot of points and a lot of points lot so of points. yep so good job team good and job, team. good job to all the other teams out there who were uh, running gunning to try and make that happen because when more teams go out and compete in this bar competition, it's good for bike racing because it sends more racers to the races. It's good for the promoters. It's good for just the competitive spirit of these and just makes them a lot more fun. So I hope to see more teams trying to uh, accumulate some points in that particular uh, little competition we have for the Oregon Bicycle Racing Association. Love it. Cool. Anything else, boys? That's it. It's too much. Thanks for the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for uh, coming to sit down and chat with us. We do appreciate everybody listening. We'll be back with another one of these next week. And until then, bye for now.